0: Okay. so-called preventive blindness. Eric, don't forget okay. Okay. I did it. Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tide along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I am Eric Acker, the host with Karen. Hey guys. Uh, so, we are uh, obviously posting this a little bit late. Uh, I am going to blame our youngest child for most of that. Uh, <laughs> mostly, she likes to stay up late and refuses to go to sleep. So, we try to get her down for sleep before we try to do anything remotely, that r- r- involves talking for a long period of time, so we have, uh, we finally have her down, and we are <laughs> going to go ahead and try to get this done before she wakes up and tells us about it. Um,
1: <laughs> she's been getting all of her teeth, and so she's she's been a little bit more fussy than normal. She used to be really great if she'd sleep through the night, but not anymore. Yeah, it's
0: been a bit of a rough week, um, but we've kind of, you've gotten, a, you've gotten a lot of stuff done, it sounds like you've. Couple kids' doctor's appointments done uh, in the books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were able to do faith formation this week with a couple of the older kids. And uh, so, o- overall, it's a pretty successful week. Pretty successful. But um, I guess before we get into any topics or <laughs> anything in general, uh, I did want to do some at least housekeeping as far as like following our podcast on any of the major podcasting platforms and then uh our instagram medfamilymd uh so that's if you want to reach out to us talk, communicate with us in any sort of sense or just see what we're doing on a day uh relatively daily basis <laughs> i don't take very many pictures and karen uh is the one that runs the p- page so that's that is how it goes <laughs> I, I might try to do more pictures in general uh, hopefully kind of keep that page more interesting we'll yeah
1: it would be nice to get some pictures of the sim lab and what you do there um oh it's continuity clinic this week so eric has one day in the sim lab um and then one day he does ultrasounds
0: no, i can oh, so it's a little bit more different than oh, okay so <laughs> so we're on my my for the first six months We're on the AM, I'm on the AM group, so it means we do AM clinic, um, I see my patients, and then the afternoon, so Mondays I have research, so any research project I'm working on, I should be working on getting that stuff done, or if they happen to have um, like a meeting with the research director or coordinator, I'm not sure what her title is, but there's somebody within the program that is in charge of research and helping us out with that. Sometimes you might have to meet with her. And they might try to make sure that we have research working because that is a requirement for our program. Um, Tuesdays, we do procedures. So this week was paracentesis. Um, So we have in a a simulation lab. We have a lot of different stations and rooms that you can do all sorts of different things. Anything from delivering a baby um, to... Uh, intensive care uh, that they can control from a control room a patient that basically can talk to you, patient that has AI enabled abilities and then there are other rooms that we have a fully, apparently fully functioning OR, so we have, since we have a general surgery uh, um, residency and they do have an OR so they can work on OR techniques they have machines that can simulate laparoscopic procedures so that uh, they can practice their laparoscopic skills uh, apparently it has like magnets and all sorts of different things to give you tactile feedback so that as you use the tools you get this the real feeling of what it's like to use the tools inside the, inside the body so it's uh, apparently pretty neat and d- more difficult than it would seem so, and then, that's
1: pretty cool I, I imagine since this is the first year of uh, orthopedic residency they're probably going to be utilizing that as well yeah,
0: I don't I don't know honestly and they could but they don't use as much lap- I mean they do some laparoscopics. no I know
1: they don't do that more
0: orthoscopics, I guess yeah. which is a difference in kind <laughs> it's still scopes and whatnot but I don't know if they've uh, have anything specific to them just yet uh, I wonder if that will be in the future for the Gme just because Uh, They are a program, and they are obviously going to have more residents as the years go on, so hopefully they will have more more stuff for them them to do as well. We don't interact with them almost at all, so take that for what it is. I still have a special place in my heart for orthopedics, but um, I haven't seen them hide or hear of any of them. And then we also do have, they have like multiple 3D printers that they print up um, models for like whether EM physicians can practice their uh, tracheotomies or cryotomies. Um, So a whole bunch of different things that we are able to do. We also have a room, this is where we do the procedures, they have fully functioning ultrasound uh, machines that have uh, mannequins that you can use the ultrasound machines on, that either the ultrasound machines are able to pick up what's inside the mannequin and it's very anatomically Um, comparable or there are mannequins that have lots of different sensors and the ultrasound probes are not real ultrasounds but based on your positioning the screen will show what you're supposed to see if you're holding the probe in that particular location on a real body so it's supposed to help you (laughs) and so procedures we had Um, mannequins that we could do paracentesis on and and thoracentesis, and ultrasounds that can help you make sure you you find the right spot so that was our procedure day on Tuesday Wednesday is a two-parter so we besides having the morning clinic we have what's called high fidelity sim lab which I think I talked about in the past and that's both the morning and afternoon clinic groups get together and we do high fidelity sim lab for about an hour with our program director, and then um, in the afternoon I do ultrasound, which is so that same mannequin that has all the sensors and is you know tells you what you can see. You can run different modules on it, and it will kind of run you through like a fast exam or um, an echo and stuff like that. So a whole bunch of different things you can do with that mannequin, uh, and so the, they basically want you to just start working through the modules and start working on how to look at different things. So that's uh, Wednesday. Thursday is didactic, so there's really not much to do in the Sim Lab. And Friday afternoons is our quote-unquote wellness day slash admin day. So um, if you have administrative work that needs to get done, calling patients back, filling out paperwork, doing online modules, that is the time to do it. (laughs) Otherwise, that day is off, a half day is off, and so you can do what you would like to do. On those days, so that I think that's essentially how our program runs. It every program is going to be different, um, but that is how our program does it. Um, what oh, do I want to? Where do I want to go? Uh, <laughs> continuity clinic is is good. Um, by and large, I mean you. You there are days I I think the last time I did continuity clinic, I think I saw a patient. My all my patients showed up, or I saw three patients a day, which is essentially a max for interns for the first six months three patients a day no big deal not a hard thing this week I've, I think I sold three patients one day two patients another day one patient <laughs> and one patient so um, it's been pretty chill to not have a whole lot of patients to do and then uh, catch up on other things paperwork and whatnot so I'm working on all of that <laughs>
1: um, yeah you got your request he hit ha- he had originally started a research or a, a case, a, a case, case report um, and then found out that he needed to get.
0: Um, I need to get patient consent and finish my online modules. And so I have reached out to the patient finally, and uh, they are willing to consent to so me do the case report. I just need to send them the document, they need to send it back with a signature. Uh, also, Apparently, journals are wanting or liking patients' feedback on their their cases. So, like, what the patient thought was going on their perspective of the treatment and their perspective of their condition are all different things that journals are apparently appreciating as part of your case write-ups. So, I'm going to send to her that so she can write in a little bit so we we're, we're going to get that we're making progress on that i think we have to try to get a research thing done by january so we are we are making strides to get that done <laughs> we'll see how it goes um, <laughs> the biggest hurdle right now is getting that consent so we got the consent i think friday i'm going to spend some time finishing up my training modules for research just to make sure i don't have any hic- hiccups there when i go to give my research to the program to look over that they they don't expect me to have certain research parameters for I forgot the the governing body but I just want to make sure I have all of that locked down so you know there's no questions about the validity of my research and whatnot so that is a more of a administrative process. Um, and then I will also spend some time on Friday calling back some of my patients and getting them updates on lab results because I did do a bunch of lab results, this, labs this week, and they have resulted. And I try to call them back and let them know what's going on, if any changes to the plan. So that's all going to be Friday. <laughs> um, so I did want to talk, I guess, a little bit about. Um, what we did in our high fidelity sim lab and then kind of a teaching point related to that because I thought that was kind of unique and interesting. Um and in, by no means should you ever listen to what I say and think that I know what I'm doing or <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew what I was doing when this these situations happen. A lot of what I i talk about is stuff I learned uh through the course of the experience and Uh, sometimes I I do know certain things but there are plenty of times when I am baffled and um, I have the knowledge somewhere in my brain I just don't have it out in front of me Uh, so it's all part of the struggle Um, but the sim lab was interesting in the sense that uh, it was a patient coming in with uh, abdominal pain ultra mental status and uh, we were divided into two groups one group was taking the patient on first and then as the care progressed the second group would take over and proceed with more care um, for the patient, and so it was uh, interesting in the sense that it was like abdominal pain. It is very bread and butter internal medicine, but uh, it's it's kind of interesting how sometimes we we do this stuff robotically and we don't always know uh, some of the guidelines that go along with it. But we do we follow probably majority of the time the guidelines. Uh, uh, Either unassumingly or <laughs> unwittingly, um, which is good. We we t- always try to t- take care, good care of our patients. And of course, this is a sim, so there's no living patient that is at risk. But um, there was, uh, yeah, abdominal pain, ultra mental status, blood pressure is like eighty over fifty, something like that. Uh, low blood pressure, hemodynamically unstable, and uh, labs pretty unremarkable I mean besides like elevated lactate and other stuff like that <laughs> I know I'm hand waving at a lot of this but um, I'm giving you basically tachycardia hypotension um, elevated lactate and let's say elevated white blood cell count um, we're patient with a like only history is like CAD and diabetes well well-controlled no issues with any of that the blood, uh, blood sugars are normal. Um, so, <laughs> so generally speaking, bread and butter stuff in internal medicine, you see somebody with low blood pressure. Uh, first thing you do is give them fluids to try to get that blood pressure up. Um, and then you have the lactate. So essentially, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just jumping around a little bit here, but. Uh, What I guess I'm trying to get across is we have an elevated lactate. We have altered mental status. We have elevated white blood cell count. We have hypotension. We have tachycardia. We even have probably tachypenia. Um, So we have essentially our sepsis criteria all met. (laughs) We just, we see end organ dysfunction. We may not know exactly. The end organ. Until so we maybe do a CT scan, or I think in this case uh, we did a, and, and we we didn't do a CT scan in this particular case because uh, when you have a hemodynamically unstable patient, you do not want to generally do not want to <laughs> take them off the floor and down to imaging for the imaging to do a study where they could possibly crash. Uh, it, radiology tends to frown upon patients crashing in radiology so i think and sometimes you can get away with that and i'm not uh, not 100 sure but i thought i heard someone say you can do that if you actually accompany the patient down to radiology so that kind of takes you out of the um off the floors and whatnot and now you're in radiology waiting for <laughs> to, waiting for the procedure uh, the imaging study to be done and then to, to escort the patient back to the floor so um it can be time-consuming and uh, can, you can take you off the floor where you might be needed for other things. So something to kind of keep... Again, I think that's what the protocol was. But it's also like the same protocol as if uh, if you call a code stroke on a patient that's on the floor, you're actually supposed to stay with the patient the entire time all the way to the CT scan and back. Not just leave them and then tell the nurse to take them to the CT scan. So uh, anyway... Um, so we have sepsis. We did the right, uh, right uh, um, abdominal up, right upper quadrant abdominal ultrasound showing um, okay. gallstones. Hi, Evie's uh, making her presence known. <laughs> um, so we have gallbladder distended with the wall, uh, gallbladder wall thickening. Uh, so we we kind of have an idea. Our source of infection is probably the gallbladder. We have elevated liver enzymes. We have, again, we had the white blood cell count. So we kind of had the pentad for cholangitis. We have uh, cholangitis. <laughs> so that's our infection. We have a sepsis picture. So we have a lot of that. So here's where the guidelines, I guess, come into play. Guidelines state when you to have sepsis, uh, within the first three hours, you need to have administered. Uh, fluid you need to have done a lactate Um, what's the third one (laughs) why am I blanking on the third one Um, so I think empiric antibiotics I think antibiotics fluid and um, done a lactate all within the first three hours and and of course when you do antibiotics you should also draw cultures so if it's the primary infection is urine urinary tract you get a urinary culture if it's possible pneumonia you get sputum cultures and then you start antibiotics uh, generally speaking it's also if you have sepsis go ahead and draw bl- for two peripheral line uh, blood cultures and then give empiric antibiotics uh, <laughs> and then of course your antibiotic course uh, picture will be empiric and should be somewhat driven by the underlying infectious cause or location so I'm not going to really, I'm not, not being <laughs> in, uh, really good at infectious disease at this point. I'm not going to wager, I mean, Vaco, Zocin are all kind of things that you kind of hear tossed around, but I'm not going to really comment on which one <laughs> to do, if both. Um, anyway, uh, but so in the first three hours, that's like criteria number one, fluid, empiric antibiotics, and you get a lactate. Um so fluid there's a little bit more to it it's thirty uh thirty milliliters per kilogram per hour, I believe um so if you think you have like a hundred kilogram person that's ends up being about three liters per hour, which isn't that much realistically. Uh, <laughs> Um, but obviously, if you have like a congestive heart failure patient, you might go with smaller boluses during that. And that was kind of the suggestion offered up because obviously a heart failure patients, you don't want to fluid overload them and cause other issues, acute, acute decompensated heart failure on top of a sepsis picture. Like you just kind of want to avoid those sort of things. Um, but I think the, the general protocol is at least 30 milliliters per kilogram per hour. the first three hours is how much fluid you're giving and of course we're going to go back to the if you're going to give a lot of fluid what kind of fluid do you give do you give normal saline or lactated ringers Uh, the general um, from what i could read on up to date if you're going to give a lot of fluid go ahead and just give them lactated ringers (laughs) it's generally not going to give them as much chloride and you kind of run out you avoid your hypochloremia pictures that can cause uh, some sort of acidosis that can kind of further exacerbate your metabolic acidosis picture or so um, and then there's a so that's a, that's a three hour rule, the six hour rule is reassess recheck the lactate because uh, you've given them a lot of fluid so you're going to recheck the lactate, make sure you're going in the right direction and then at six hours you can um, by six hours you can give pressors. So if the blood pressure hasn't recovered and the patient's still hypotensive, that's when you need to start giving pressers. Um, Those are the, I think, the CMS rules and guidelines that a lot of facilities will follow to a T. Um, So three and six. Uh, I guess those are the numbers and those are the things that we check lactate. And I apologize if I'm missing something, but... Um, pressors and I I think it's not a bad idea to continue to think about fluids at that point as well Um, but also very very important to reassess your patient (laughs) make sure that your therapy is either working or not working Uh, they're getting worse or better Um, other things I I think I came out of that picture because essentially uh, this patient uh, the sim the simulation patient was somebody who had cholangitis and I think the first group was like, okay, we think we have cholangitis, so let's contact general surgery. And, of course, general surgery was like, we're not touching an infected gallbladder. <laughs> we are not cutting a gallbladder open that is infected. That's going to spill out all over the internal cavity. That sounds like a terrible idea. So, And also the patient is unstable. So why don't you call us when the patient is stable? Is, <laughs> And I think that's um, maybe not unfair. Uh, obviously, that can be a little frustrating for the medicine docs, because, uh, we would like surgery to do surgery (laughs) and surgery tends to sometimes like on odd times, doesn't want to do surgery and things that we would like them to do surgery on. Um, and then the next step was like, um, this is kind of a old, you know, after ragging on surgery, I'm going to go back and give compliments to surgery. My, in my, in surgery rotation in third year, um, Dr. Rogers always talked about when you have an infection, the best treatment for infection is is drainage. So you have abscess, you have inf- uh, blocked up stagnant fluid that's not moving anywhere, bacteria gets into it, grows, creates a lot of pressure, and that pressure creates pain and discomfort and can spread into other cavities and other regions. Uh, the best way to deal with that is drainage. Uh, so with cholangitis, uh, a lot of times the first line treatment is uh, obviously draining um, not uh, not from removing the gallbladder but from going to um, the gosh the sphincter of Odie, I can't remember that they have a different name for it now but putting uh, doing an ERCP getting GI to put a ER, do it ERCP and they put it like a little um, stent in the area and it it allows the drainage of the gallbladder um and again i i kind of hand waved at it um to be fair cholangitis does require a positive uh so some sort of stone on imaging um we were again hand waving at it because well i we have elevated liver enzymes elevated bilirubin we have and you might even see lipases a little elevated too so you like you have a stone that's blocking below the pancreas, where the pancreas and the biliary system drains into the small intestine, so the duodenum. Uh, you and then you have an infectious, infectious uh, picture, so that's cholangitis essentially in a nutshell. Um, so, ERCP, but in our particular picture, ERc like ERCP. Was not being recommended. Um, Like the like, we would we consulted GI, and GI said, "Oh, the patient's too unstable," uh, or those services aren't available because not every hospital has ERCP available, Um, and even in hospitals that they are available, they don't always have it available. (laughs) So I think that's which is I think true for our hospital is that we do have physicians or GI practitioners who do ERCP procedures but they do not do it on a daily basis there are certain days that they are in office or in the hospital to do these things and so like if you just happen to land on a, an odd day you won't have that service available to you so you have to go to plan b or c i'm not sure and that's um trans uh a percutaneous biliary drainage uh you know, it's the most simple term to use and that is an ir procedure where they go in go into the the biliary tree or the gallbladder i'm not really sure exactly which and they do the drainage that way it's not a treatment it is not um (laughs) the final thing you do for the patient but it is a stopgap to deal with source what's called source control because even though we are giving antibiotics antibiotics are just not going to touch an abscessed pocket like the gallbladder or an infectious source, you got to drain it and get rid of the excess. And then the patient will hopefully do better. But on that note, apparently something that our program director was letting us know was like, a lot of times when you do this, you go in with a needle and you poke into this biliary tree and you start draining off all this sludge and fluid and infected nonsense the patient's actually going to get a little worse before they get better <laughs> and that might be because um, essentially like you take a hornet, he was describing it as like you're going to go take care of a hornet's nest so you're going to hit it with a bat <laughs> and knock it out of the tree Now you've dealt with the hornet's nest, now it's going to fall to the ground and it's going to be very angry and so you got to get out of there real quick but things are going to get bad before they get better. Like that is the hornet is hitting the ground and now the hornets are all coming out trying to figure out who just upturned the nest and after that it's all done the hornet's nest is gone and everything will get better so it's something to be prepared for with those patients that they are going to initially come back and be worse and it will get worse before they get better so that's something to kind of keep in mind um other things and pearls and pitfalls would be, is that uh, sometimes you get into this kind of terrible loop of uh, possibly GI saying go talk to inf- uh, interventional radiology IR and IR saying go talk to GI and they they spend a lot of time going in circles and not taking care of the patient. I'm not saying anyone is particularly trying to not help the patient, just. I, you know, like maybe GI is like, I would prefer not to work on an unstable patient that's on pressors and you're still having a hard time keeping the blood pressure up and we're seeing some end organ dysfunction. I don't know if I really want to start messing with a patient like that in my, in my facility, you know, in my lab or my OR or whatever they want to, whatever they do it. So, like, I can understand that. IR might have the same sort of idea. Like, I don't really want this patient in, in, in radiology who's going to (laughs) crash. Like, that seems like a, a concern as well so you can have this kind of loop where they kind of keep referring to each other and it can be tough and then of course um, I, I forget the exact length of time after you do all this stuff and you stabilize the patient you still do need to get rid of the gallbladder. <laughs> so like, I think it's like four weeks, four or six weeks later, you go ahead and take the gallbladder out. I think some places will do it. I had one patient on the floor actually that had this sort of, sort of similar uh, cholangitis, um, and they did take the gallbladder out like within the same admission. Uh, so once the patient was better stabilized, they had an ERCP, they had a stent. Uh, they, we never got to IR. Um i r was not necessary in that this particular patient because e r c p was available um but yeah they i think they took their cold blood out of this that that particular patient during the hospital stay so i don't know i have heard different things uh, i would i need to do a little bit more research obviously so <laughs> that was the kind of the pearls and pitfalls there uh it's an interesting sim uh for sure because uh, it's tough <clears throat> A high-fidelity sin is tough because a lot of times uh, you know, they pitch the patient to you. You have the monitors going, and they're like, go. And you have five doctors, residents, some different varying degrees of, like, first to third. And I don't think – I think a lot of times the the interns don't want to step up and try to take control because there's a third year there or a second year and then the second and third years don't want to they would prefer the interns learn by doing and take initiative, <laughs> so uh it ends up being a kind of a struggle and of course, like when you're in the situation and the information's coming at you and you're being like what what do you wanna do? what's next what do you want <laughs> like sometimes you just kind of blaze over and you're like, "I don't know um <laughs> and honestly that, that is a a terrifying thought like I was listening to some of the the third years tell stories about days that they were on rapid response because uh, during some of the floor nights, um, the second and third years are asked to be on rapids. They will respond to all the rapid responses. And they said, oh, yeah, one time I got a call to do a rapid response on the labor and delivery for floor. And this woman had just delivered a baby, and she was having uh, vaginal hemorrhages. And <laughs> she's like... I hadn't done any OBGYN and I don't know any like I know very little OBGYN um, besides like doing Pitocin and a few other things, like that's about it. And he's like, I had to call <laughs> the OBGYN residents and be like, get down here and deal with this patient. Cause I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, <laughs>
1: that's a little terrifying for the patient and for them. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, I'm sure he didn't tell the patient that. But <laughs> well, no, but
1: you know, when a rapid is called because I, you, all these people flood into the room Yeah, and they don't necessarily tell you what's going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's um, terrifying for sure, uh, because like you, you're thrown into a situation, and people are like, "What do you want to do? What do you want?" And I think another intern was relating a story about how he got to one, and he was just like, um, um, "And oh, the patient passed out when she was went to the bathroom on the toilet. It's like, okay, great, she just bageled on the toilet. Great, no, <laughs> we don't need to do anything, but fantastic. Maybe some fluids, and we're good to go. Like, I'm glad it's not anything more serious than that." So um, I'm a little, a little terrified of that because I think it's it, when you're being thrown into a situation and be like, "What do you want to do? What do you want, what, what do you think is going on?" It's like I don't know. Um, Your you mind can go blank. Um, I guess is what I'm saying. That's, I guess that's the beauty of the high fidelity sim labs is that hopefully you can kind of work through some of that <laughs> those situations so that when you do see it in real life, you can kind of draw back on some experiences. Um, yeah, that is. <laughs> fidelity sim lab um every every week we uh, every time we do continuity clinic and we have that it's a a different sim um and then as far as the notion of they want the interns to step up i remember like in my group my senior was like eric what do you think it is and it's like wow this is what i think He's like, okay. What do you think? Why do you think the patient has a, a low blood pressure? I'm like, well, I think she's hemodynamically unstable and is probably in shock. Okay, Eric, what kind of shock? Uh, looking around to see if like any of the other interns are gonna step up. And he didn't actually say Eric. He said, he said "What kind of shock?" And it's like um, looking around to see if the other interns would step up and say something. And he's and I was like, septic shock. And he's like, "You're saying the right words. <laughs> you <laughs> just need to be more confident." And I think that's. Uh, true for a lot of uh, a lot of things it's like you know stuff you just need to be a little bit more confident in what you know um anywho uh what else is going on uh this week I I I would there's a part of me that wants to get into congestive heart failure I don't I think I went into diabetic ketoacidosis last time
1: and Karen got
0: mad at me because I was like over an hour long and (laughs) she was like you probably should
1: (laughs) Eric had a, he did a presentation on congestive heart failure and then they went over it again today in didactics.
0: Um, I have, I have thoughts, but.
1: He has thoughts, but we can do that for a different episode. We'll just do a whole episode on, on um, heart failure. But um,
0: it's all about gold directed (laughs) medical therapy and the most recent American College of Cardiology is recommended. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. But
1: this is one of Eric's uh, golden weekends. Yay!
0: It, this upcoming.
1: This upcoming weekend, so we are gonna try and do something with the kids. Um, I was looking around today, so we will see. We when had... she says
0: she's looking around, I I was sitting in didactics and I got like probably six different uh, links to different things <laughs> and just like what, a couple of them are like magazines, like things to do in North Carolina. I'm just like I don't know what I I don't know what. <laughs> shouldn't Keenum.
1: have been. It should have been a, a specific, a
0: whatever. Uh, maybe it was. Specific, sometimes, I, I sometimes. It was like six pages long and I'm like, I'm not reading that. Uh, <laughs> see,
1: I send links because if I don't send links then I forget. But, um, North Carolina has a few, few fun things, um, that we happen, that I think would be fun to do but it just, it's dependent on how much we want to spend and how far we want to drive.
0: Yeah. and um, we're, we're trying to find things to do that, Uh, to enjoy when the weather is so good but not like you're gonna die in the heat i guess it's that that nice little balance of like the weather if the weather is good and not like a thousand degrees outside and you're sweating and you have to carry kids for three miles like that sounds terrible but um, obviously, as it gets to winter, we won't be able to do certain activities and certain outdoor things. So, like, trying to maximize the time for the season. <laughs> um, that is the goal, anyway.
1: Yeah. We're
0: trying to make it work. So. Trying to, I guess I think we're doing better. I think we're doing better in general than compared to, like, Georgia, where I feel like we didn't do a whole lot of traveling in Georgia. We went to Savannah a few times. and um Atlanta area <laughs> you know the aquarium but like we didn't like travel Georgia no a whole yeah
1: time. we are we're doing better um, the Eric took the kids to the planetarium we've gone to the zoo several times we went to the beach once so we're kidding we, we're
0: learning lessons I would say the planetarium super it was cool um, so it was at like fort I forget that it was the uh fayetteville state college state university something like that yeah um it's a local university or college and they have like, this planetarium that's like sponsored by nasa it's really cool they, the astrophysicist that puts on the show is really knowledgeable really good so like, i have no complaints about that it's just like i brought two kids that i I was kind of expecting a different kind of show where it was like, look at these lights and stuff. Let's look at these constellations and look at these planets. How cool is this solar system? We're gonna we're traveling in the spaceship kind of sort of feel for things, and it's not quite like that. It's kinda of like they'll show visuals, obviously, because it's like that dome kind of uh, planetarium like view, but it's also a lecture. Uh, so it's also meant for people who are older. Um, possibly university students, which I guess that makes sense. Uh, (laughs) And then on top of that, you get like general public and then you get, I feel so bad. There was like, there was like this scene from the Big Bang Theory where Raj is doing like a planetarium presentation and someone starts asking about aliens and like everything gets derailed and it's like, I feel like I lived that (laughs) in the planetarium but it's like, Suddenly, they he's asking about wormholes and planets that have aliens on it, and like, are they our solar system? And and like the the poor presenter is like he's doing a good job, and he's like he's being analytical, and he's like, well, you know, given the statistics of all the planets that we know are probably inhabitable, and based off of like statistics of how the chances of life being out there, like yeah, there's probably some some advanced life form out there but they're thousands and thousands of light years away and it would take us multiple multiple lifetimes and generations to get there if we could even travel at the speed of light so the chance of them seeing us and meeting us is very slim (laughs) anyway he he did a really good job of it like they were unrelenting and <laughs> at some point you're just like, I just want this to end. <laughs> like it was, it was good. It was a good, a good experience. I did enjoy it. And if anyone's thinking about doing it, I definitely wouldn't discourage it. It just was kind of funny. Um, and maybe not for little, little kids, but.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, we did, we did try and pick one that was labeled for everyone. So, um, yeah, but, As the kids, I mean, we're going to be here for three years, so as the kids get older, maybe we'll try it again.
0: But we're doing, like, it's an educational thing. Like, it's good for them to see and learn, and, like, we're doing homeschooling, so that that counts as some kind of a field trip, I
1: guess. It does. Um, The zoo does, too, actually. Um, But we're, like, there's the botanical gardens here. There's one. Um, I'm
0: I'm hesitant about botanical
1: gardens. I know you're hesitant. We have not gone there uh, yet. We have
0: boys that like destroy things, <laughs> and like there's gonna be this rare rare plant that like oh this only blooms every 50 years, and it's gonna bloom, and our kids gonna like stomp on it, and, no, and we're they... gonna be on the news, <laughs> and it's just. <laughs>
1: Hymn of oh <laughs> so little faith. Uh, um the one that's in Nora I feel like Nora <laughs> might be gentle. The one that the one that's in in uh Fayetteville um actually does have uh like kids' backpacks that you can rent out that have activities um that you can do around the botanical gardens and that's free as long as you don't break anything within the backpack. Oh, okay.
0: So how much of the backpack? (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be the cost, right?
1: (laughs) Um, But iPad
0: screens, that might be something that we do
1: if and when grandparents come and visit, because I feel like that's something that your mom and my mom would enjoy. Yeah. Um, Even when
0: we went to St. Vincent and the Grenadines, we didn't see the Botanical Gardens, but my parents did. Yes, they did. Um, they were there for like three days <laughs> and they saw like half of the island. And we we were there for like a year and a half and we saw like a quarter of the island. Eh.
1: Um, yeah, so I don't know. We'll, we might try uh, panning for gems this weekend or we might go on a hike or go to a...
0: So you'd never hear from us again. We found gold and jewels (laughs) and we are done. (laughs) We finally made it. (laughs) It's
1: not a salted mine. So your likelihood of finding precious gems is probably lower.
0: Wait, salted mine?
1: Salted. So they don't actually throw gems in so that everybody finds a gem. It's an actual mine. So um, you may or may not find something. Wow.
0: Wait, when they say they, like, throw stuff into, like, the fool's gold kind of stuff? Like, actual...
1: Actual gemstones. Huh. But they're... I mean, they're not cut or... I mean, a thousand
0: people are sifting through the same silt every day. Like, I'm guessing likelihood that we're going to strike a a kilo of (laughs) solid gold is pretty slim, huh? It's
1: not a gold mine. It's gems. So, I think rubies and sapphires. And then they've got some... Lesser gems. This is
0: gonna sound terrible. I didn't know we had rubies and sapphires in North America. I kind of just figured that was like a, I don't know, know. a Western sort of thing.
1: I thought that the kids might enjoy playing in the water and the mud, like. <laughs> That sounds. What, what sounds does thrashing. it? It's, it sounds about right. My only apprehension is then getting back in the car <laughs> after <And it's>, having. <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> we might have to have multiple changes of clothes. I don't know. Um, that is one idea out there for this weekend. Okay. Uh, but yes, so we've been looking at things. Uh, we found I found that there's a train ride that's like a thirty minute train ride. I we
0: agree that's a Christmas.
1: But I think that's going to be a Christmas thing. And then um, there's a land of Oz here, which I think is insane.
0: I've never seen the movie, so I. I you have not seen the I, Wizard I of Oz. I understand that there's the yellow brick road, are, and then there's like flying monkeys, this. and the man behind the curtain, and I understand like is it the like Dorothy and the lion and all that stuff? Is it Alice in Wonderland? Yeah, no, no. it's the no, it's the it's the Tin Man and the. Scarecrow and like, I understand all the characters and I don't know I, I've never seen the movie so
1: we're probably going to have to fix that <laughs> I, I think
0: I've lived a pretty good life without knowing it I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm less for it <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. and this is coming from the man who had also not watched what Miracle on 34th Street until this last year
0: that's true that was actually pretty good I know see but it's really all that good
1: no, it okay, terrified so, me as a kid, so, but you uh, should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going because it's like $75 per person for a ticket. <laughs> that just seems a little excessive. We don't make that much. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's been fun kind of looking into things that are around here. Um, I think uh, hopefully during one of our vacation times, we will maybe travel a little bit farther away from home. Um, maybe we'll do a rental or something. Mm. And... <laughs> like a
0: rental house?
1: Or cabin.
0: Apparently there's like a Great Wharf Lodge, lodge around is. here. There is. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, anyway, so we'll I'm see. I'm sure
0: there's, more, there's lots of things to see. Um, being near the Appalachians, I'm hoping that we can...
1: Yeah, well, my directions when Eric was leaving the house was... Find something, was it northeast? Uh, northeast? My
0: brother had mentioned, like, the <laughs> west side
1: of the oh, state, see? apparently. I wasn't even looking in the right direction. Well, it's, it's confusing,
0: because you say, like, oh, find something in the, the west, like, west North Carolina, and then everyone hears like, northwest North Carolina. <laughs> so, uh, the north is also, I mean, because like, your sister and brother-in-law uh, had... Like their family was in the northern part of the state doing some stuff on some water river thing that had like a, a natural slide and other things like that. So like this, and then we every time we go up to Raleigh, we cross over this river when it's like super hot out and on a the weekend. There's like a ton of inner tubers floating down it. So like there's obviously some water things besides. There's the beach. a lot of
1: water things. And then
0: there's a battleship in Wilmington.
1: Oh, I did not run into that one.
0: Yeah, battleship in Wilmington. I'm Not sure what kind, but I would, um, oh would I I, I have
1: actually run into that one. I dismissed that one because um, oh
0: yeah, they like carry kids up and down steps. <laughs> and, and that
1: dance. would be a good <laughs> thing for you to take Nora and Oliver <laughs> too, but <laughs> the other three kiddos not <laughs> so much. Fair enough. So, anyways, we are slowly trying to explore a little bit, and we I think my goal is maybe have. A third of them be somewhat educational so we can count them towards homeschool days. But realistically speaking, they don't have to be.
0: No, we're just trying to have some time as a family that we can enjoy. That uh, punctuates my, my tardiness from family life <laughs> after being in residency. So hopefully that the kids will have good memories to rely back on and not be like, Dad was never home.
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> in the winter we're going to go to Raleigh to the Natural Science Museum. Uh, okay. I
0: was just thinking because like, you talked about like a train restaurant or something like oh,
1: that. Oh no no. Um it's it's quite a large museum and I think it's f- general admission is free. Nice. Um, that's a price I can live with. <laughs> you can get memberships, but I don't if it's general admissions free, I don't know why you would do that. Is but it, um, is that the one
0: that's kinda of like Omzi?
1: Um
0: OMSI is like that organ oh gosh. Science o m s i oregon museum of science and industry yes. there we go yes I, I and this. it has a submarine it's got a submarine it's right. the, basically the only thing i knew about it was, it was it a is. giant it's the submarine every time you watch hunt for Red october and the submarine that shoots out of the water that's that submarine it's sitting in portland oregon willamette river next to omsi yeah. and i've never actually toured it i've only ever seen the outside of it
1: yeah no this one is not as child directed but it does have dinosaur fossils, massive ones. So um, when I was looking through, and the kids were looking over my shoulders, they got very excited about the dinosaurs. It's dangerous. So okay. um, it's dangerous.
0: Dangerous, let the kids see things. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, I took away all about? electronics a third of the way through the day, and that was. They had to settle. we're just gonna say that that, that went well <laughs> super well <laughs> don't be afraid of it guys <laughs> screen time
0: is bad and your kids would love it to be never never look at a screen uh parenting is awesome and blissful and the kids tolerate everything well
1: <laughs> and we have a massive hole in our backyard where the kids have dug down <laughs> underneath they can the swing stand set up in that hole and you can't
0: see them <laughs> <laughs> like you still can't see them. Like, that hole is
1: giant. Well, it was really funny because after they saw the fossils, they said, I'm going to go outside and dig for fossils. Oh, gosh, I, one of these days I should just uh, bury per- something. <laughs> purchase um, <laughs> uh, the kit to make the like salt fossil fossils and make, make their long. day. This is <laughs> that's probably not
0: greatly appropriate. What do you think about owl pellets? What? Owl pellets with like the rats and stuff, like little Yuck. mice. I'm just saying, like, if they like bones and stuff, that's kind of that was kind of neat. Like cleaning them up and then trying to like articulate some of the. No, okay, you can do that weird. with them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dig through owl's feces and we <laughs> articulate a mouse that they ate and dis, dis- disemboweled. <laughs> a dead job. <laughs> Anyways, feel free.
1: We are aware that it is um, getting close to interview season. People are submitting their applications so if you have any questions feel free to shoot those off to us on medfamilymd on instagram um we can make another podcast about our experiences or what we have learned since then um again have people review 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 and look
0: over everything you write down and have someone else look at it and make sure you are getting the right message across
1: yep And then have a good week.
0: Have a good week. (laughs) Good luck.